Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, and I'm going to read through verse 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Father, we give you praise this morning. Uh, You're a good father. Uh, You are incredibly wise in how you take care of us. Father, we gather this morning with thankful hearts. Uh, God, this is the day that you've made, and we rejoice in it. Father, we agree with James that every good and perfect gift comes from from you, from above, from your hand. Father, we agree with the Gospel of Matthew that says that that even, even we know how to give good gifts to our children. And how much more do you give good gifts to those who ask? And so, Father, we ask. We ask you, Father, for the best things. We ask you, Father, for more of yourself. We ask you, Father, for more of the fullness of your spirit. We ask you, Father, to make the gospel even more real to us. We ask you, God, to give us opportunity and power and energy and wisdom to make disciples who will make disciples. Father, we want to find our joy in you. God, help us with that. God, give us power over temptation. Give us power over the lies that bombard us. God, give us the victory in Jesus Christ, our Lord. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so it's really important that when looking at the temptation of Jesus here in the Gospel of Matthew, that we connect it back to what we just looked at, okay? So if you remember what happened last week in Matthew chapter 3, um, we saw kind of the end of John the Baptist uh, ministry or sermon uh, and the beginning of Jesus' ministry, opening with his baptism, okay? And so in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is baptized. Uh, kind of the way we described that was he's identifying with us. Uh, in, in our baptism, we identify with Jesus, right? We, we identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. We're saying we are joined or connected to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. In Jesus' baptism, he is identifying with us. He is, the way he describes it, I, he is fulfilling all righteousness, 
Uh, in other words, God, God's will for Jesus is that he be our perfect representative, that he be our perfect substitute, that he take our place. And so as he is baptized, God speaks from heaven and God says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So God the Father shouts from heaven two very, very important things. He says, this is my son whom I love. Okay, so he, he, he announces publicly his love for Jesus. And then second of all, God the Father says, I am perfectly pleased with Jesus. Jesus is the perfect son. Jesus is in every way a delight to his father. Jesus is in every way all that the father intends him to be. He is perfectly pleased with Jesus which is really important for us to remember because of kind of what Michelle was talking about just, just a minute ago in, in that that is where our righteousness comes from. So if you're a believer here today and you're thinking, well, I'm a believer, I'm, I'm, I'm good with God, I have a right relationship with God, let me tell you, the only way that can happen is if you are connected to Jesus Christ. So if in your mind you're thinking, well, I, I have a relationship with God because I did this or because I, I, I act in this way or I'm this kind of person or I've done these good deeds or I've accomplished this with my life, then, then the, the truth of the gospel, what the Bible would say to you is, you are not righteous. You, you are not right with God. You are not justified. You are, you're not a Christian. Okay? Because the only righteousness that we have is Jesus' righteousness, right? That, that, that is how we become righteous, is by repenting of our sin and turning in faith to Jesus Christ, being joined, connected, tethered to Jesus, so that His righteousness comes into our account. So that when God is perfectly pleased with His Son, then He can be pleased with us because we are in Jesus. We are connected to Jesus, all right? So very important for us in thinking about even our own righteousness, in understanding that Jesus is the perfect son, that he is the perfect man, that God is perfectly pleased with Jesus, all right? Now, notice, so God the Father shouts from heaven, he loves the son, he is pleased with the son, and then verse one of chapter four, this is the next word, it says then, okay, then, so after God says, I love this boy, I love my son, I'm pleased with my son, then verse one says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil to fast for 40 days and 40 nights, something that I really believe most of us cannot even get our heads around, right? Uh, I mean, fasting for four hours, you know, it, it makes us cringe, right? It makes us cringe, but we can get our head around that. Fasting for a day, m many of us can understand what that is like. We, we don't like it, but we understand what it's like. We've experienced it. We've probably done it before. We probably should be doing it on a regular basis. Fasting for four days, man, that's almost unthinkable, is it not? Jesus fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights, and it says then he was hungry. He was fasting and, and praying in the wilderness, it says. The Spirit led him into the wilderness. Now, when you think of the wilderness, you think of the desert. Please don't think of the spa in Tucson, all right? Mark adds a real real interesting little, little um, bit of information in his gospel. In Mark chapter 1, it said he was led into the wilderness with the wild animals, okay? In other words, what Mark is trying to communicate and make sure we understand was this is a brutal and a dangerous place. These were brutal and dangerous conditions. Jesus is hungry. His physical body is literally taking a beating, like, like beyond what we can probably imagine. He is weak. He is starving. He is in danger. He is exploited. He, he's, he's vulnerable. And the devil is going to take advantage of all of that. The devil is going to see his vulnerability. He's going to see his 
physical weakness. He's going to see he's starving, and he is going to take advantage of that in the temptations. Now, now wait for just a second, okay? I think we should pause here and learn just, I mean, I think a timely lesson here. So let's review. Jesus is loved by God. He is perfectly pleasing to God in every way, and he's immediately led into the desert for a brutal time of testing. All right, now, now do you see that that connection is very important, okay? So loved by God does not equal easy life. Did, are we, do we all see that? that? I mean, I think that's really important to understand. Loved by God does not equal easy life. Filled with the Spirit does not equal comfortable life. Now, now, the reason I think that's so important is because how many times have you experienced in your own life, or maybe you've been talking to someone who's experienced this, that, that, that someone's going through a very painful, a very brutal season of their life, and they begin to do what? Question whether God loves them. I mean, don't, isn't that a very natural thing? Isn't that, isn't that something that, that I think just really our flesh just gravity, it falls into that pit of when things are tough, when things are hard, when we're being tested on every front, when, when, when everything is difficult, when, when, when lots of comfort and, 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 and lots of easiness are withheld from us and in their place are hard, hard, hard. During those seasons, it's almost universal. We, we begin to question whether God loves us. And so what, what a beautiful picture here of of. The undeniable reality that God the Father loves Jesus, that he is pleased with Jesus. And yet the very next thing is, is that he leads him into the wilderness. Notice he's led by the Spirit. He leads him into the wilderness for a brutal time of testing and an assault on his body. It is biblically false to believe that if God loves me, things will go easy and carefree and without struggle. That is not true. It's just not true. It, I know it's hard to think that way when we're in pain and when we're in need. And I think that's why the devil attacks us in those times. And in those times, he will always attack God's care for Jesus. Do you know why you hear that voice in your head when, when your body is in pain, when you're going through a difficult season? Do you know why you hear that voice of, you know, does God really love you? You know, are you know, is God really for you? You know why you hear that voice? Well, it's, it's because it's the same voice. Jesus, notice Jesus' first two temptations. How do they begin? If you are the son of God. Isn't that how they begin? Both of them. The first two begin, if you are the son of God. And so God has just spoken from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I mean, I mean, God just verified it from the heavens and yet the devil begins the first two temptations by saying, well, if you're the son of God, why not this? Think back to the Garden of Eden. Uh, if you remember the devil's strategy in Genesis chapter 3, so Adam and Eve are surrounded by the gracious, generous provision of the Father. They've, they've got everything they need in a garden paradise. They have fellowship with him. But when Satan attacks him, how does he do it? What is his strategy? His strategy is to get them to question whether God really has their best interest in mind. Did God say you can't eat any of these trees? 
right? He, even though that's not true, he wants to plant the seed in their hearts that, man, God is holding back from you. Man, God, God, is, God, God is not giving you what you need. God is not a good father. His character is not for you. He's not on your behalf. He doesn't want what's best for you. He, he's holding back from you. That, that is the devil's entire strategy in Genesis chapter 3. Now, it, it's the same strategy here. He just ramps it up with Jesus. If you'll notice, all of these temptations are really temptations that we probably would not expect. You know, When, when you think of temptation, what do you think of? You know, I, I think if this had been written by a man, then Jesus would have been out in the wilderness, and here would have come this, this uh, busload of uh, uh, chorus girls from Vegas. You know, and, and the bus would have broke down right in front of Jesus. And they'd all got out in their skimpy suits, you know, and been prancing around in front of Jesus, you know. You know, can you help us? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it would have been stuff like that. When, when, when you see Jesus' temptations, you're like, well, man, not, that's really not like anything. Well, that's, that's because we're in the major leagues here, okay? These are incredibly subtle temptations craftily put together by the devil to try to get the Son of God to not trust God. And so, the same way, listen to the devil. Well, if you're the son of God, make yourself some bread. Just speak to the stones and turn them into cinnamon rolls and baguettes and biscuits and hot rolls. I mean, if you're the son of God, then why are you hungry? If you're the son of God, then what, man? If, you, if you're the son of God, if God really loves you, and, and if you're really his beloved son, and if he's really pleased with you, then why are you starving in the wilderness, Jesus? I mean, what, why are you so in need? Why are you faint with hunger? Why are you weak? If you're the son of God, then why don't you just take care of this? You know, at the heart of every temptation, I really believe this, at the heart of every temptation is do I trust God? that's what it's all about those big kind of single statements those really help me I don't know about you you know just just think about that what's all of life about it's all about glorifying God I mean that that helps me a lot I don't know if that kind of thing helps you and and so it helps me when I think about temptation the root of of temptation the root of sin is unbelief that's what it is it's unbelief it's not trusting God it's not treasuring God it's not believing that God is everything he says he is and that he'll do everything he said he's going to do it's not believing that he's our treasure it's not believing that God is who the Bible says he is and so when we are tempted we're basically always being offered a God substitute we're always being offered another truth that is that is not God's truth right and so, so Jesus has God, and he has God's truth, and so the devil's always going to come along, and he's going to offer him a slight variation of that. So, so instead of God's truth, he's going to offer him a deception. Instead of God's way, he's going to offer him another way. So Jesus, instead of trusting God to, to take care of you, here's a way that you just take care of it yourself. And if you're the son of God, then surely you ought to be able to do this. Temptation attempts to convince us that following God is not best, that there's another way besides God's way that is the path to life and happiness. And, and really, this temptation can come in any form. For, for Jesus, it was, it was after 40 days of fasting, it was bread, and taking care of his own physical needs when he was supposed to be trusting the Father to do that. But, but really, this temptation can take any form. Instead of trusting that God's plan is that we forgive, right? That's God's plan. We know that. It's in the Word of God. God has said, this is who I am. I am a forgiving God. I, vengeance is mine. Say to the Lord, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of this, all right? How often does the temptation come 
that you handle it yourself. That's what he's telling Jesus. Just take care of this yourself. Right? How many times have you been tempted in the same way in anger or vengeance? Right? God, God says over and over in the scriptures, leave it to me. Just trust me. Turn the other cheek. Leave it to me. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of this hurt. I'll take care of your wound. I'll take care of, of the offense against you. But there's that voice that comes. Now you can take care of this yourself. You, you need to simmer in your anger. You need, to, you need to inflict justice. You need to make sure people know about this. You need to take care of it yourself. When we're hurting from a wound, we can be tempted to doubt God's plan and choose our plan instead. Now, let's, let me ask this. Is there anything wrong with eating bread in the wilderness? Absolutely not. Uh, is there anything sinful about making yourself, fixing yourself a meal after you fast for 40 days? No, not at all. The sin here is not trusting God. It is stepping out of God's will and plan for your own will and plan. Now, what was God's will and plan for Jesus? His will and plan for Jesus, we talked about this last week, was for him to be the perfect man, right? For him to be what we're not, right? For him to live a life totally trusting, totally dependent upon the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Walking in complete obedience to God. All right? What the devil is tempting him to do here is step out of that and take care of yourself. Just don't be dependent on God. Be dependent on yourself. The, the devil was tempting Jesus to meet a genuine, legitimate need in a sinful way. To meet a need in a way that's outside of God's will. He was, he was tempting Jesus not to trust God's provision, but to take matters in his own hands. Now, does that ever happen in, in, in our lives? Are there legitimate needs that we have, that they're not wrong, but that we're tempted to meet that need in a way that is sin? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean probably the obvious one would, would have to be in our culture, maybe any culture, I don't know, but it would be sex. Now, now is, is, there, is there anything wrong or sinful about sex in itself? Absolutely not. In fact, it is God's gift to men and women, but to fulfill that need outside of God's plan. Now, what is God's plan? Well, God's plan is incredibly clear in the scriptures. It is that the sexual relationship is God's gift to marriage, to one man and one woman in a covenant relationship for life. And yet we are bombarded with temptations from pornography to adultery to fornication to sex before marriage in order to meet that need in a way that's not God's plan. And so in other words, there, there's a need inside of you and, and God's plan is just trust me. Just trust me. My way is absolutely best. My way for sexual relationships is, 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 is going to bring the greatest happiness and the greatest glory to God if you'll just trust my way. And there is a constant barrage of temptation saying, oh, what, what, that's silly. You know, I mean, God loves you and you've got this need. Just go ahead and go ahead and do it your way. Do it a different way. Take care of yourself. We have a legitimate need for all kinds of things, food and shelter, but in all those things, there are ways that we can satisfy them that are outside of God's plan. Gluttony and excess and greed. And so, so Jesus is being tested in whether he is ruled by his physical appetite or whether he is ruled by God, by the Spirit. Man, there, there's a lot of people who, you know, when we think about this particular temptation, there's a lot of us that just struggle to say no to our fleshly desires. 
Man, that, that, that encompasses a whole lot of sin right there, doesn't it? Just, just that ability to say no to our fleshly desires. And so look at what Jesus says. Jesus' response is in verse 4. Okay, so his response to this temptation is verse 4. where He answered and it said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So every response of Jesus, by the way, is going to be straight from the Scriptures. Okay, great lesson there that we ought to learn. Okay, so Jesus quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8. So in Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, Moses is, is talking about, or he's, he's uh, explaining the children of Israel wandering, interestingly enough, in the wilderness, okay, for not 40 days, but rather 40 years, all right? And, and let me read a couple verses out of there real quickly to you, okay? So Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, okay, so be careful to obey God's commands so that you may, this is verse 1, live and multiply and possess the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers. Okay, so verse one says, be careful to obey everything God's told you so that you're gonna live and, and you're gonna multiply, you're gonna prosper, you're gonna flourish, and, and, and you're, gonna, you're gonna possess the land. Okay, now look at verse two. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you. That's exactly what's happening with Jesus here, testing you to know what's in your heart. Okay, to know whether you will keep his commands. All right, now look at verse three. And he humbled you and let you hunger. All right, right there, you see that? So Jesus goes back into the Old Testament and he finds a place where it was God's will that the people got hungry, right? That he wanted that. He wanted them to experience physical need. Why, why, why? Look, keep reading. And then he fed you with manna. Remember, manna from heaven. They, God put them in a need, and then God answered. God answered in a supernatural way. God answered in providing everything that they needed. Why? Keep reading. He fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. There it is. There's what Jesus quotes. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God, God was teaching the Israelites. He was teaching them, you got to be dependent on me. You, you've got to trust. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you to life. I'm going to bring you to flourishing. I'm going to bring you to, to multiply. I'm going to bring you to possess the land. But you've got to learn to trust me. you got to learn to trust my word. you got to learn to be dependent on me. you got to learn to look to me for what you need. Because, because you have greater needs than your hunger. Your hunger is not your greatest need. Your physical needs are not your greatest needs. And so, so you got to learn to look to me. And, and so do you see what Jesus just did? What Jesus just did is he, he's faced with a temptation, and so he goes back to the Word of God, and he finds, he finds truth from God's Word that has direct correlation to what he's experiencing in the temptation. Okay, he, he does exactly what you and I must learn to do. We, we've got to learn to find truth in the Bible that speaks to the particular situation that we're being tested in or tempted with, all right? Every temptation is rooted in a lie. Isn't that true? Every temptation is rooted in a deception. Every temptation is rooted in the devil trying to convince us that God is not who the Bible says he is or that he won't do what the Bible says he'll do. Every temptation is rooted in a lie. And so, the victory, the answer to every temptation is rooted in the truth. And this book is the eternal word of God, which means you conquer every temptation by the word of God, by the spirit of God and the word of God. 
And so within these pages is the truth about God. Within these pages is God's truth about life and death and joy and happiness and meaning and mission and marriage and money and family and parenting and purpose and, and all of that. And so, so we've got to learn to use it. Lincoln Avenue, we've got to be a people of the book. There is no substitute for that. There's nobody in this room that you can just say, innately, innately, I, 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 am, I am immune to the temptations of the devil. Innately, I, I, I automatically know the truth. I do not need to read the Bible. I mean, you're deceiving yourselves. We, we've got to be immersed in the book because we must know the truth in order to com- combat the lie. And so when the devil casts the lie in front of you, the way that you don't take the bait is by believing the truth. When... When, when, when you're tempted to be prideful, which is um, honestly almost every day, is it not? Am I the only one that experiences that? You know, the, this, this welling up within me, you know, to be prideful, to, to demand to get what I deserve. Man, when that comes, you've got to have James 4, 6 right there. It's got to be in your holster. And you've got to pull it out and say, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You've got to combat that, that welling up of pride in you by, by this truth that says God will be against your pride. The God of the universe will combat, he'll come against you if you're proud, but he will dump out his riches on you when you humble yourself, right? When you're tempted to be consumed over anxiety, when you're tempted to lie in your bed and just be be broken up, tied up in knots on the inside about something in your life. You, you've got to have Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And by the way, these are just examples. They're, they're ones that are, are meaningful to me. You know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God surpasses all understanding. We'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You've got to have that. Whenever you're tempted to base your security on the money in the bank. How, how many of you, you're, 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 you're feeling good about your life goes up and down based on black or, or red in, in, your, in your bank account. Man, I just think that's so natural. That's why we got to have 1 Timothy 6, 9. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmless desires to plunge people into ruin and destruction. If we have food and clothing with these, we'll be content. That's the verse right before it. When we're tempted to be silent about the gospel, when you have that opportunity to speak God's truth to a lost world, and, and, and here comes the lie. The man, if you do this, you'll break relationships. If you speak up, what will people think of you? You could jeopardize your job. You don't know enough. When all those lies come, you've got, you got to have something handy. Mark eight thirty eight. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. We, we have to learn to recognize the lie and then defeat it by appropriating God's word and believing that his word is life and pursuing it is life. All right, so next, let's keep going. Verse five. Then the devil took him to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're, if, again, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, Throw yourself down, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands it will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So the devil takes Jesus to the top of the temple in Jerusalem. You've got to figure there's all the worshipers, everybody who matters, okay? Everybody who, who is anybody religiously, nationally, in power in Jerusalem, in Israel, in God's people, there they are, all, all down around the temple, and Jesus is at the pinnacle of the temple. And at the heart of this temptation was, again, God's will. 
What, what was God's will for Jesus? Well, it's, it's his will for Jesus to live the perfect life and then to die a shameful death, the death of a criminal, and then God would raise him from the dead and he would draw men to himself. That's God's plan for Jesus, right? Live the perfect life, be rejected by pretty much everybody, be shamed and humiliated, be tortured, be crucified, and then I'll raise you from the dead and you'll be the king of kings. That's God's plan. All right, now, here comes the devil. Let's face it, guys. Shame, rejection, torture, death. And so what, what, what's the devil saying? If you're the son of God, just go straight to glory. Right? Did, what, why would you go through all that, Jesus? I mean, it, you know, really, is that the best way? I, I mean, you're the Messiah. You're the king of the Jews. You're the one that they've been waiting for. And really, the, the best plan is for you to live in obscurity and for you to be rejected by everyone and for you to be tortured and to die the most shameful possible death in Israel as a criminal? That's really the best. If you just jump off here, look, in the Bible it says that God will rescue you. He won't, he won't let you. If you're the son of God, he's not going to let you die. He's going to swoop in. And get you. And then everybody will know. Straight to glory. Skip the shame. Skip the suffering. Skip the torture. Skip the death. And go straight to glory. And I've even got a verse. You know, this is what makes it really complicated. Is I, I honestly think the most masterful temptations are ones that have a verse. Right? They're, they're ones in which Satan is as craftily... L- taking something out of context. In this case, he took something out of context and he took a little phrase out of there, you know, to keep you in all your ways. A very important phrase out of that section. And he's using scripture against Jesus. Again, Jesus' response right out of the truth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. We are not to put God to the test. We are not to attempt to force God into doing our will. We're not, we're not to attempt to kind of try to find some kind of loophole that, that leverages God into doing things our way. Isn't it interesting that we always think of the devil? Th- think about this. Whenever you think of the devil, I, as a kid especially, whenever you think of the devil, what, what does the devil do to you? Well, man, pain and suffering, right? The devil, he's always trying to do hard things, you know? In, in fact, anytime anything hard happens in your life, we automatically, almost, I think we automatically say, well, that was the devil, you know? Anytime anything good happens, well, that, that was God. I mean, we, we kind of have this oversimplistic way of looking at life. But isn't it interesting that in Jesus' temptations, the devil is always offering Jesus a way out of suffering. Isn't that interesting? Here, here he is, and he's starving in the desert. What is the devil doing? He's trying to get him fed. Hey, have you had a Cinnabon, Jesus? I mean, wow. You know, have you, have you, ever, have you ever tasted, you know, cinnamon sticks at Pizza Hut? I mean, I mean, gee, is that... It almost looks like he's a nice guy, right? Man, the plan is you're going to be rejected and you're going to suffer and, you, and you're, and you're going to be shamed and you're going to be humiliated. Oh, Jesus, man, here's an easier way. Temptations. Okay, here's what we got to know. The devil is always a long-term thinker, okay? If you, if you don't realize that, you... You're going you're gonna to get busted. 
He's always a long-term thinker, okay? And so that means he is more than willing to offer you appealing things, comforting things, ease. Man, that's his specialty. He's more than willing to offer you comfort and ease now if he can torture you in hell forever. Man, he is willing to make that trade. He's a patient dude. And, and, And so he's more than willing to offer you the easy way if it gets you out of the will of God. That's all he cares about, is that you not trust God's will, that you not trust God's plan, that you take any other plan. And so most of the time, he's going to offer an easier way. I wonder how many of our temptations are just that. You know, it's offers to relax in front of the television rather than labor to pray. I mean... I mean, I wonder how many times we don't make it to the prayer closet. We don't make it to our, 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 our prayer room or the scriptures simply because as we're going there, man, the devil is right there and he is offering every easy, comfortable, pleasant, pleasing thing to us just to keep you from doing the hard thing. Because, man, for, for you to sit down and watch a great little documentary on moose in Alaska... Hey, man, he would love for you to enjoy your evening if it keeps you from praying. I wonder, I wonder how many times he gives us just really clever justifications for not serving in the hard areas of ministry due to our unique circumstances. How many, how many times have you ever just, you, you heard in your mind, you know, hey, I, oh man, the ch- church has this need here, or man, I see this gospel need, or here's a, but oh, man, I've got this unique circumstance that just popped into my head of why I probably shouldn't do that. Man, I think he is, he is so skilled at that. He doesn't want you to do the hard thing. Shortcuts. Shortcuts to to believing you're spiritually mature without having to deny yourself and take up your cross. I wonder how many of our temptations are built around an alternate way to consider yourself a good Christian. Man, I I had a conversation this week. And it's one of those deals where like, I can't believe I'm hearing this, you know. And, and, And this person boiled the whole Christian life. Like, it's almost like they took everything that, that the Christian life is about and they were like, okay, that's great, but but what it really means to be a Christian, and they named one good deed, literally. Like, like that, that, and they were completely like happy with that. Like, like one, one good thing, you know? And they were like, well, you know, I don't do any of that, and I, you know, I'm not any of that, and I, you know, but this one thing here, yeah, this, I mean, man, I can see why it's appealing, but it's like discarding the entire word of God. Temptations that are viable excuses. How about this? Viable excuses of why financially giving to the kingdom work is not our calling. How many, how many times have you talked to somebody who uh, their, uh, their, their giving is, is something particular? Usually it's something they want to do anyway. You know, it's like, yeah, I don't give to the Lord's work because we buy really nice motorhomes. That's kind of our calling. And then uh, we travel around, and while we're at the campground, we invite people to church, you know? That, that's our tithe. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, that's our tithe, you know? And it's, a, it's great, you know? 
Andrew and I, we, we buy really expensive mountain bikes so that we can encourage you that that's our giving, you know. We don't give to India, you know. We don't drill water wells. We buy mountain bikes, you know, because that's our calling, you know. No, we don't really, but, you know, sounds great. Devil should use that one. All temptations not to do God's will and his word. That's what they are. I wonder how many times we fall for the lie because it's packaged in a wrapper of ease. It's just, it's just, he gives us, he gives us this way around the heart. All right, all right, third temptation. We gotta, we gotta hurry here, okay? Third temptation, verse eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and, and, and their glory. And he said to him, all these I'll give to you if you'll fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve and him alone shall you serve. Okay, so, so what's the devil offering here? Again, glory. Again, it is Jesus' destiny that all the kingdoms of the world would, would be his, right? Like the devil's so crafty. Like he knows every tongue, every tribe, every nation, they're all to be under the authority of Jesus Christ. Like this is exactly what Jesus Christ deserves. And the devil, again, has, has a shortcut. I'll give him to you. You know what this is all about? This is all about Jesus getting what he deserves without God. See, it's just leaving God out. It's leaving God out. See, in in this scenario, who's the giver here? Satan is the giver. Who gets worshiped? Satan gets worshiped. I mean, the devil offers all that Jesus deserves just without God. You know, and again, I mean, these are crafty. It almost makes more sense. I mean, we know from the scriptures that the world is held in sway by the demonic power of Satan. I mean, the Bible tells us that. And he's saying, okay, hey, I give, I give. You know what? Hey, forget the cross. Forget the suffering. Forget, forget the malicious and evil attack that's going to come upon you. Forget being falsely accused and brutally tortured. I'll just give it to you. Just between me and you, we'll just leave God out of this. The devil is offering an alternative that makes more sense, but it's without God. How often are we offered paths to glory? Okay, now when I say glory, you know, because that, that's, what, that's what the devil's offering. Did you, hear, did you hear what he said? He said he showed him all on a high mountain, all the kings of the world, and their glory. Okay, what is glory? Glory is, well, the glory of God is all of his manifest perfections. Okay, but, but how often do we, do we get offered Glory, which I, I would describe that for us most of the time as life, joy, happiness. How often do you get offered happiness, but it just it's, it leaves God out, out of the equation? He's not really in the equation. It's, it's a path to happiness without God. I can't tell you how many people I've pled with in my office over their marriage. And in their mind, it's, it's this temptation. It's, hey, but I'm not happy, and I haven't been happy in a long time. And whew, I can see it. Here's the path. This new person, this new life, is, it's the path to happiness, and it's going to bring me joy and, and, and peace, and no more striving, no more fighting, no more hard. Oh, yeah, but. And they don't say this, but I say this. Yeah, but it's without God, isn't it? Like, is this God's will? Is this God's plan? Is this God's word? No, it just it leaves God. It's, 
It's an offer for joy and happiness that leaves God out. Something or someone else is at the center of that hope. Jesus didn't fall for any of it, right? None of it. All three temptations. He comes back with the, the word of God. And this one, you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone. He doesn't even entertain it because he knows there is no glory. There is no joy. There is no happiness. The devil's offering something that's a lie. There is none of that without God. God is the source, the stream, the fountainhead of all of that. And, and Jesus is like, no, no. He obeys God. He goes to the cross. God raises him from the dead. And he is today the reigning king of kings and lord of lords. He's the model. Let me show you a verse I was, I was reading this week that, um, man, I just thought, man, that, that's exactly what Jesus did, okay? So First Peter 5, 9 says, to resist the devil, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore and confirm and strengthen and establish you. Okay, and when I read that, I thought, Jesus is the model for that. Like, Peter is calling us to do exactly what Jesus did. What did he do? Jesus was willing to suffer for a little while, to do the hard thing, to trust God. And then what did God do? Well, God restored, confirmed, strengthened, and established him. Right? He did all that. Hey, is, is Jesus any of the less because he did not take the bread in the wilderness, jump off the temple, make a big spectacle so that everybody saw, or receive the kingdom from the devil? Receive the wolf. Is Jesus any less today? Is he up in heaven saying, man, I sure wish I'd have got that Cinnabon when I was down there, you know, in the wilderness, or... Man, I, I don't, you know, I don't have Pakistan today because I didn't take it from the devil. No, no, no. Jesus got it all. He got it all. Because he, he trusted God. And he did not fall to temptation. The last verse in uh, Matthew chapter 4 says this, Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So here, here comes God to take care of him. Isn't that interesting? You know, he, he stood his ground with the devil there back in verse 3 with the, the food. And now, now here, God sends angels to take care of him. Okay? God takes care of us. All right? But in Luke's gospel, I really like this. In Luke's gospel, it, it says the devil left him until an opportune time. And man, what that, what that really tells me is that, that there are seasons that we are more vulnerable to not trusting God than others. And maybe you're in one of those seasons. Maybe you're in a season of just physical trial. Maybe you're in a season of, 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 of just struggle and difficulty and relational trauma. And I don't know. Maybe you're in one of those seasons. And, and, and right now you are, you're experiencing this bar barrage of offers to, to go around the hardness of God's will for, for supposed life, glory, happiness, Please don't take him. Man, I just plead with you today. Trust him. He won't let you down. Trust him. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would give us grace to trust you, God. I pray that you would give us grace to hold on to you. Father, I pray that we would not 
we would not fall for the lies of the evil one. I pray that you would gird us with your word. God, help us to be people who are so saturated with the truth of your word that we, we are able to combat the lies of the devil. Father, give us grace. In Jesus' name.